And we're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and with me today is Dylan. Jeremy hates Christmas. I do hate Christmas and most holidays, except for Thanksgiving, maybe Veterans Day. Memorial Day is pretty good, too. I don't like I don't like decorating, and I don't like dealing with decorations. This is these are the things we talk about before the show starts. Um, <laughs> welcome to this impromptu Legends podcast, but something either just came out or got re-released, or like it's a fan thing, but it's on Amazon. I'm very happy about it, and that is Shadows of the Empire soundtrack for the novel is on vinyl. <clears throat> I am so happy about this. Dylan's not really into the vinyl thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a hipster. I, I I really like listening to vinyl, and I love listening to Star Wars on vinyl. See if if anyone is con- uh, if anyone is ever like curious as the difference between a Northern Californian and a Southern Californian, this is it. That you don't like <laughs> vinyl. <laughs> I just really care care for it. Dylan, you couldn't even collect vinyl if you wanted to. Hey Rob. Um you because you have to get rid of some Armada in your apartment. I have all of my Armada stuff. It's in like it's in like a tup uh, like a, a a rolling Tupperware um uh like drawer. There's like four of them. I just have all of them in there. What about your Legos? Uh they're on like three shelves. Yeah, see, no room. It's all the storage space Dylan has in his apartment. He's got to fit that urine-colored couch in there somehow. Mm. Mm, yeah, he knows. He knows it's the color of a, a very ill person's urine. We've had this couch for over a decade. I, I bet. It, it never got used until, like, it, it, it would always sit in, like, a... Like a in like a room by our front door that like no one would ever use. And then I moved on my own and my dad was like, Hey, do you want this couch that we never use? I'm like, sure. So I've been, it's gotten more use in the last like three years than it has in the previous uh, 10. I mean, to be fair, it's a better couch than the one that my roommate left me at my new place. <laughs> oh yeah. This is the first legends podcast in the new, uh, apartment. Uh, you can kind of see some of my EU books back over there. Some of them, not, not all of them. I mean, I could just do, I could, I could move us to here. There. It's all over there. You happy? It's going back to this because my room's a mess. Um, but yeah, hi, small time. Shadows of the Empire just got minted on vinyl. So I pose a question to you, Dylan. Mm-hmm. What Star Wars score would you like to have released that's not been released in a long time or ever? Okay, so there is a song from the Revenge of the Sith tra- soundtrack. It's called "I'm So Sorry," and it's the it's what plays um, uh, during the um, Obi Wan and Padme scene um, when like they confront him about it, and then it like cuts, cuts to Darth Vader and Mustafar. And it's not on the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Now, you may be saying that's because it sounds almost exactly like Anakin's Dark Deeds. And you'd be correct. The first part of it is the second half of Anakin's Dark Deeds. But the instrumentation is different, and the ending that, that it builds up to is completely different. 
it's not on any soundtrack. Dylan, I would have if Lucas had kept the rights and they had done those three um, D Star Wars releases, we probably would have seen that because they did an unabridged Phantom Menace soundtrack when the three D movie came out. If you recall, um, and so we've never we never had uh, um, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith released like unabridged because I would like to see if we're talking movies an unabridged attack of the clones so we could get, um, there's a YouTube channel and I'm dropping, uh, I can't remember that person's name, but they literally have taken the sound effects out of like all of the, uh, star Wars saga, like movies. Well, they gave up after last Jedi, mm-hmm. but they like did these unabridged <clears throat> scores and there's a track, um, that they call the dark side takes hold. And it's when Anakin's admitting to Padme that he killed all of the Tuscans. Cool. And it has like the emperor's theme and it has a little bit of the Imperial March in there. And I've always thought that track was really cool, uh, in attack the clones and it's not on the score. We have that nice, uh, re rendition of the duel of the fates when he's, uh, searching for Shmi. That's on the soundtrack, which that's pretty awesome, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a rendition of Duel of the Fates about halfway through Battle of Heroes from the Revenge of the Sith and soundtrack. And that's not on the soundtrack either. Because <laughs> because it, they break up Battle of the Heroes into two different tracks on the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. There's the Battle of the Heroes, which really takes place in the second half of the Obi-Wan-Anakin duel. And then you have Anakin versus Obi-Wan, which is the beginning of of both the duel with Anakin and Obi-Wan and also the beginning of the Yoda Sidious duel. Yeah, I, I remember there's a YouTube video that has, um, if, you, if you just look up Battle of Heroes, it's like an eight nine eight or nine minute video that's like both parts of it put together. And uh, together, it's, it's all right together, but you can definitely tell that there's like, it, it's basically two bits of the soundtrack. And you actually also, you can find I'm So Sorry on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's just not on the soundtrack. Yeah, we just need we need unabridged releases <clears throat> of all the movie scores. Do you know Howard Shore did that for the Lord of the Rings trilogy and put them on vinyl? They're hmm. quadruple LPs. They also cost something like five hundred dollars a piece. Needless to say, I don't own those. Uh, there's another one. Um, it's a track from Episode Two. Um, um, the Arena. Um, and um, it gets reused much more famously in Revenge of the Sith when the 501st is walking up the steps to the Jedi Temple. But, like, the one, the, the track of just the 501st walking up, uh, that little snippet also isn't on the soundtrack. You have to, uh, you have to listen, you have to find it on the Attack of the Clones soundtrack in the, um, in the arena. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, that was uh, I call that the beginning of when John Williams started to get lazy with Star Wars scores. It's kind of Revenge of the Sith. There's some reuse uh, using of stuff from other movies. Specifically in the end credits, it almost becomes identical to the end of the original Star Wars end credits. But I mean, nothing prepared me for the Last Jedi soundtrack 
or even worse, the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack, which for some reason has the Imperial March in it, even though it's not used in the movie. It's just there, and it's not even a good version of there's the Imperial a, March. There's a YouTube channel called Sideways. Um, it, he uh, he analyzes music. Uh, he's like a, I think he has a bachelor's in uh, music theory or something, and he analyzes movie scores. He actually has one on Ray's theme from... Um, from the force awakens and he says it's like it's so ingenious what it did and how it like it ties together so many themes of different ways and it's kind of a tacit admission of john williams that he had no idea what they were doing and he knew that they didn't have a plan so he made the the seam the seam so malleable that no matter where they took the character it would still fit <laughs> yeah <laughs> good old john williams retires with probably the worst score of his whole career and that, that rise of skywalker score is the most you can tell it's made by someone who's like in his 90s who didn't actually want to compose anything new so he just reimagined most of the original trilogy i mean the end of rise of skywalker it's just stuff from empire strikes back um like a lot of the cloud city stuff is kind of reused mm-hmm mixed with Ray's theme <laughs> because that's like the one thing that like everyone remembers from the sequel trilogy. <laughs> they don't remember the Coco Cabana rendition for Canto Bite. But I don't know. Um you know what I'd really like to see? The uh Gigi Tartoski's Clone Wars mm. release. Like what they did with um Dave Filoni's Clone Wars where they picked some of the best tracks and they put them on an album. Uh, like, because I really want that ARC Trooper theme. Oh, I was just thinking about that. That ARC Trooper theme, and then, like, the opening of Chapter 1. Where it's, like, Yoda's uh, narration. Mm-hmm. But that music's awesome. Oh, the Grievous theme as well. Yes. Uh, or, um, when Anakin beats Ventress on Yavin 4. That, mm-hmm. uh, reimagining of Duel of the Fates. Because you said that, and I'm just like, wait, but Clone Wars just reuses, and I'm like, oh, wait, no, there are some, like, uh, unique tracks to there, it. Yeah, there's some individual stuff, and there, I don't know, like, to me, we've said it before that I'm not the biggest Kevin Kiner fan. I've grown to like his, <clears throat> I, his reimaginings of John Williams' music more as uh, time went on. I actually bought, I found it in a Best Buy. It was the, um... It was the Clone Wars score from seasons one through six that they made. Right, It was either right at the beginning of Disney Star Wars or right before it. But they released it on vinyl, and I found it, and I listened to it. And there's some decent stuff in there. There's some bad stuff. Um, I think the track I like the most is when Savage and Maul duel Palpatine. Because that, that's kind of interesting. It's a little goofy, but, you know, it's a goofy show. Yeah. I'd also like to see Republic Commando get an official physical media release of the soundtrack. It has, in my opinion, the best score of any Star Wars video game ever. And it did have a release. It was a digital free digital download off of StarWars.com, I think. Mm-hmm. They took it down. 
Oh, what was I, I think it's either Triple Zero or True Colors, but Karen Travis actually writes the clone singing Vote On. Mm-hmm. And um, it's in Triple Zero. It's in Triple Zero. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because it's like a song, but like the words are just like written out. So like you don't know what the melody is. See, unless you don't, if you don't know the song, you don't know how to, how to like read along to it. Uh, you see, I knew what it was immediately. That, see, Triple Zero to me is like the one book in that whole Republic Commando series that's the most video game tie-in-esque, and it's not at the same time. But like she just does things that are clever in it. Unfortunately, she decided to have fanfic thrown in as well mm-hmm. to wreck that. But yeah, I totally had thought of that. Because it's Etain and the clones are like chanting together at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get sidetracked on the Republic Commando now, but you just reminded me that the opening scene with Omega Squad, when they get like marooned on like the ship, and like Delta Squad has to come in. You're you're right. That is like totally video game. Mm-hmm. It's honestly like they could have thrown that in the <clears throat> Republic Commando video game. Like it fits in there fairly well, because the Republic. I love the Republic Commando video game. It feels really short. You only go to three planets. We go to mm-hmm. two planets in a ship, which are really fun. I love the Geonosis stuff. Love being on that ship where it's full of Trandosians. And it's like a literal nightmare to navigate because you're alone for most of it. And mm-hmm. your your guns are next to useless. That's when I discovered that, wow, these clone trooper guns are great on droids. And they're only designed for droids. Yep. Um that's when you also start picking up slug throwers, which you just need to carry around at like all times, even though they have no range. But uh, that's awesome. The Kashyyyk stuff is also fun where you fight Grievous. Did you ever get that far? Uh, no, I got I got soft locked on the um, on the ship. On the uh, at the very end of the ship when it's blowing off and you're escaping, I oh. got soft lock where I I had, uh, literally a checkpoint ca- a checkpoint was given to me and I don't have enough time to get off. Oh, you, you gotta you gotta do what I do. You just quick save all the time. You can do that in that game. Don't worry. Yeah, that's not gonna stop the soft lock. Well, you just gotta go back a couple saves. You just save it to different spots. Oh, I'm playing on console. Oh, well, that's why. You just got you got to play that on PC. Actually, someone I heard someone's actually going to make a graphical like patch to make the graphics look more modern. Mm. Which I'm pretty. I'd like to try that out. I'd like a balance patch so that super battle droids aren't more are more difficult to kill than droidicas. Yeah, yeah. You th- I thought it was fine. It's a literal nightmare, and that's what it should be. It's not like Battlefront and Battlefront 2, two of my favorite games ever. But everyone's kind of equal. And uh, in those games, everyone's kind of balanced. And I don't like that. That's not that's not accurate to how things would be. Super Battle Droids are terrifying. Unless you're a Jedi. In which case, they shouldn't be. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some other scores that would be nice. I'm a certain KOTOR had one yeah KOTOR 
I keep thinking Bounty Hunter, but that's just reusing stuff from Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Yeah, same thing with Starfighter. That's another one I played. Um, Empire at War came out late enough that it would have its own thing. I know someone's going to be like Jedi Fallen Order, but that that score's okay. Well, the new you've heard the new thing through uh, Disney and Lucasfilm is that they don't do physical releases of things. Like the Mandalorian, every episode has its own like complete score soundtrack, but it's only for di- download. It's not a physical media. Mm. Did the same thing with the last season of the Clone Wars, <clears throat> where they released three different soundtracks for it, and it's basically the whole series, the whole the whole season, I should say. But it's for digital only. It's like, come on, people people like the physical media. Also, they never released uh, Solo on vinyl. They did a CD release, which I thought was strange. But it, it kind of shows how much they didn't care about Solo. Starfighter had a good main theme. Yeah, I just don't know if it's enough for a soundtrack. Or just do, like, bits and pieces. I have that Force Unleashed CD, that bootleg. Did I ever show you that? Mm. From Australia? Let me pull that out real fast. It's got a whole bunch of stuff from other games, too. As I go through all of... Rogue Squadron seemed to me to have the best original music besides Shadow of the Empire. I never played Rogue Squadron. So that's a Jeremy. Um... What's up? Rogue Squadron, um, Scott John- Johnson sang, had a good soundtrack. I don't remember it. Um, I remember the John Williams stuff in it. <laughs> but yeah, this here. Found this. I paid quite a bit for it. Um, it has It has stuff from Force Unleashed. The Battle for Endor, Caravan of Courage, uh, a little bit from Shadows of the Empire, from the Joe McNeely stuff, then Force Commander, uh, The Clone Wars, and the Star Tours theme. It's so bizarre. This is why I bought it. It's just a mashup of various things. Found this on eBay. Came uh, made in Australia. I think it, it's a fine score. Um, there are some other things in uh, other tracks in Force Unleashed I like better than the main theme. But uh, yeah, it surprises me that Force Unleashed didn't get a score, like an official release of a score, because it was almost on par with Shadows of the Empire at the time. Got its own book, got its comic book, got action figures. The only thing it was missing was a score. And I think there's a lot of original tracks in Force Unleashed that it should have gotten a score at the time. But yeah, Dylan is very silent right now. He's like done already. He's like, I don't listen to music. What are you talking about? I listen. You listen to Ruby's soundtrack. Uh, not as much anymore. 
did for a long time. That was like your jam for a hot minute. Yeah, back when I still thought that was good. Wow. I didn't know you, you were a Ruby hater now. I've never seen uh, it at all. Yeah, don't. It, it was it, – see, the thing was, it was always bad, but it was one of – it's one of those shows that's like, oh, it's bad, but there's, like, so much potential. And then you get eight years into it, and they never reach that potential. It just continues being bad, and you're just like, this is a waste of my time. <laughs> so it's Homestuck. <laughs> sure. <laughs> God, then so many people just unsubscribed right now <laughs> for my bashing of Homestuck. I thought about reviewing Homestuck on this channel, and I was like, no, I have – better taste than that Are you kidding me but anyway uh, we're getting off track i just i want them just to release everything you know it'd be easy they have it in the archives it wouldn't take that much effort to release everything do the giant lp release of <clears throat> call it star wars and then just in parentheses, everything. It's gonna be a forty-five, not forty-five size records. That'd be that'd be awful. That'd be horrendous if they just released a bunch of forty-fives. Everyone would have to buy uh, stuff for their turntables so they could play forty-five records. I have two forty-fives. Um, for some reason, Mondo released Castlevania one and two as forty-fives and the thirty-threes. It's horrible. But those are pretty good. Actually, you know what, Disney? Make a deal with Mondo. Release them through Mondo Records. Have some really cool art on them. People will buy them. Sell them for like 30 bucks a piece. It'd be good. Or like, better yet, just take all of your movies. Have unabridged scores. Release all your video games this way, too. Add your TV shows. God, can you imagine the sales for, like, if they did that? Oh, you know what they haven't done? They haven't done that with Rebels. They didn't do, uh, they only did seasons one and two scores. They never did seasons three and four. Mm. So Thrawn's theme with the, the organ? It's not there. Uh... I would love to see a Republic Commando too. <laughs> the, the Dead Space Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Is that from Dead Space 1 or 2? Rob D. I need to know this. It's been a long time. I was actually thinking about playing Dead Space and then I remembered how bad they are. Like the first one's pretty fine, but then they decide we're not going to be so horror driven anymore. We're going to be action games. And it's like, no. No, you're well, taking the thing I like about them and getting rid of it. Well, that's the thing in, in like the uh, the sci-fi horror dramas. Like the first ones, is a, the first one's a horror movie, and then then like, uh, how do we how do we ramp it up from horror? We just do action. Now it's action horror. They're not really horror. It just becomes the sh third-person shooter. Not a very good one at that. It's like. Yeah, okay, it's from the Dead Space one. Not Dead Space Extraction for the Wii. Everyone's favorite Dead Space game. That's Dylan's favorite. I forget the Wii was a console sometimes. Because that was the only console I had that was, like, current gen. 
back in the day until I traded a bicycle for a PS3 so I could play Force Unleashed on it an achievement hunt with you on a podcast. Did we do that for a Legends podcast? I don't even remember. The I, last Legends podcast was three years ago. It wasn't. It was about four months ago. <laughs> it's actually, we're on track. We're doing well. There isn't yeah, a two-year hiatus. A, remember when they were weekly? Ah, oh, good times. Those were not good times. Those were terrible times. <laughs> You suddenly realize that there isn't enough awful Star Wars news that we want to talk about. I have to find something good. You notice how we're not talking about Kathleen Kennedy's replacement slash new assistant on here? If you want that, you can go to RK Outpost. He'll complain about it for you. Or that Star Wars girl will complain about that for you. I don't want to talk about that. I don't give two craps about Disney's terrible direction. I just want them to release these things on vinyl. He just wants physical copies of things for his collection. Uh-huh. And then release Escape from Dagoo while you're at it. You want your Delray sales to do well? You release that. It'll do significantly better than Alphabet Squadron 2. The thing no one asked for. I remember... Um... I remember um, when um, uh, the Delray Facebook page announced the name of that that uh, the original Alphabet Squadron, and the the amount of people who were like, "Is this a joke?" It's it's a terrible book. It's uh, honestly, Dylan, maybe worse than Aftermath. Mm. That was a freed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a betrayal, is what it was. It was an ultimate betrayal. I mean, a good writer knows when they have a story to tell. A great writer knows when they have no more stories to tell. Maybe. Maybe I think that he wanted to write something else, and they said, no, here's the quota that we have to hit. We need to have everyone be a crybaby bitch or a gigantic asshole. Make a book about it. But he didn't want to write that book. So he half-assed it, and then they're like, let's make it a trilogy. Because X-Wing did well. It's so clear that it's Disney's agenda to make an X-Wing series, because they've already done the Thrawn trilogy again, and then they're going to do it again. They have, they have the Poe Dameron comics. Yeah, they got the Rogue Squadron, but no one wants to see sequel trilogy stuff anymore. They're going to avoid that era like a plague. Like, it, it's it's going to give them hep. Give them hep seed. Near what it. if, uh, uh, tinfoil hat time, what if Disney's reluctance to release anything on physical media and can keep it all on digital is so that when they eventually change canons again, they can get rid of it all? Possibly. I mean, we'll probably never see a Season 7 Clone Wars Blu-ray. Um, did you, we didn't talk about this last time, but they, through Best Buy exclusive, they released a Skywalker Saga 4K set of all nine movies, and they didn't release the original versions of the original trilogy. You know, the thing I, I think we talked about this on a podcast that 
That's like the number one thing I want is for them to just do a do a Blade Runner 30th anniversary with all the Star Wars movies and just release every version of these Star Wars movies into one gigantic box set. I think the fans would eat it up. You could charge outrageous prices and it would sell like crazy. Like, I think people want to just compare all the versions of Star Wars, but instead, mm-hmm. they when they released it on Disney+, Plus, they changed the Greedo scene again. It's another thing we haven't talked about on here because we haven't done this in a while. McClunky scene now. Why, why does he yell McClunky? Why? I don't get it. Why is Kathleen Kennedy suddenly George Lucas? But I mean, worse. She learn from him. I, I would I, I would say that she's just like George Lucas, but George Lucas had talent. He had a vision. I don't think she even has that. She's just terrible. I, I mean, her vision that the Force is female? That, like, her one agenda? That didn't no one cared about? I don't know. Then again, we're two men talking about this. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me DM Amelia. Yeah, yeah. Please bring Amelia on right now. I, I need her opinion. Be like, oh, Matt's children aren't on here. I can't be on here. Shoot, that's exactly what she just said. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it, guys. It's it's just ridiculous. I, I don't Scott you you've you've hit the nail on the head like it genuinely doesn't make sense why they don't want to show all the original versions of the movies because I thought when they bought 20th Century Fox it was like a matter of months before they released all the Star Wars movies on a on like a 4K Blu-ray because now they own the rights to all of it it's not even like it'd be that difficult for them to do it, it just literally doesn't make any sense, like, not to do it. It's so, so stupid. Uh, they're, they're, they're live streaming tour right now. Who? Uh, Millie O'Brien and all the other Twin Sons people who still play tour for some reason. Oh, the Old Republic? Yeah. God, I don't think that's even EU anymore. I think it's just Drew Carbershan fanfic at this point. Malgus running around back? Why? This story's done. It, it, it strikes of when Filoni brought Darth Maul back. That's still visionaries. Debatable. Because most of visionaries is canon. Mm. In the EU. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't what was know. The other, what was the other thing we were supposed to talk about again? What we're reading? Is that it? That's it. <laughs> wow. Oh, and, and happy birthday, Empire Strikes Back, two months late. Oh, uh, yeah. Happy birthday. My favorite Star Wars film. That's all. Did we talk about the carbon freezing chamber from Hasbro? 
Let's talk about uh, that. Let's talk about that right now because it's the most idiotic thing Hasbro's done in a while, and that's saying something because I'm Hasbro's cool a terrible company, and they do idiotic things on a regular basis. So Hasbro releases this carbon freezing chamber. Oh, we talked about this on uh, one of Matthew Wilson, the Geeks Addicts streams, mm-hmm. where literally they're releasing they're releasing one figure for their 3.75-inch figure line, and it's a Leia from Bespin. It's Bespin Leia, like, in her Hoth fatigues from the uh, climax of Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like... Mind you, they don't release figures for this line. It looks like a uh, rejected version of something from the Legacy uh, figures line, if you remember the Legacy line of figures. Mm-hmm. Um, so they release this playset for this Leia, and it's half a carbon freezing chamber, and it's $50. You know how you get the, the other half, Dylan? You have to buy mm-hmm. it. You pay $100 for the worst-looking carbon freezing chamber. Uh, ever. In fact, I can look it up right now and show you all. Sorry for the people listening on like Apple Podcast because you're not going to see this awful thing. Just look up Hasbro Carbon Freezing Chamber. Because mind you, the Carbon Freezing Chamber um, action figure set has been a thing before. Right. Hey. So while he's looking at that, this isn't um, their first attempt at this. So they had a, um, they basically did a Kickstarter, but it wasn't really a Kickstarter. It was like, um, oh, for the sail barge. Yeah, for the sail barge. Oh, that was idiotic too. So there was a five hundred dollar, like full to scale to their three, uh, three and three quarters, um, figure sail barge. They want fifty dollars for this. You have to buy two of them. To get the full set. So I can go back here. Can we can we enlarge? Oh, we're not going to enlarge. Okay. Okay. So you see that right there? You see all these figures here? None of these figures have been in print. Like, in, in release. Oh, here's a... God, why do we have such small... Small images... But we had this back in the day. This thing, this thing was awesome. I wanted this set so bad, Dylan, back in the day. This is for the Power of the Jedi line. But this was like an exclusive to Star Wars Insider. But, yeah, with granted, with Power of the Force figures in there. I literally had a bunch of these figures. These aren't even Power of the Jedi figures, necessarily. That's a Power of the Force Lando. It's a Power of the Force Vader. I had that Vader. That Chewie is new. That was for Power of the Jedi. Um, Stormtroopers, Power of the Force. Boba Fett's Power of the Force. I think that's either... Yeah, like, none of these figures are for Power of the Jedi. Power of the Jedi, they weren't broad-shouldered like this. But, but anyway. Yeah, you have to buy two of these sets to make it... To get the full, full thing, hundred dollars for this, Dylan. What a ripoff! What an absolute ripoff of a playset. And these aren't even the six-inch figures; these are the three point seven five-inch figures. 
none of these are in circulation anymore. These are like legacy, legacy series figures. It's just, just ridiculous. Well, they brought back the three point seven five line recently, but they they aren't posable like this anymore. They brought they're like the the terrible Kenner throw not the, not the official like throwback throwback figures they did for when Star Wars like the vintage vintage line when they just re released the original like six figures from the 78 Kenner line. But they did like when they started, when Disney bought the rights to star Wars, the toys took a nosedive in quality, especially the Hasbro action figures. They suddenly were not articulate like they were in the legacy line. They were a lot like the Phantom Menace toys. If you remember the Phantom Menace figures from back in the day, uh, the Rebels toys are very much the Phantom Menace figures. They're not Power of the Force, or as they're called, Power of the Force 2. Um, because they're not the Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, yoked Star Wars figures. But they're not very poseable. They don't really stand up on their own. And it's just been garbage. The toys are garbage. And it's really upsetting as someone who, when they were a kid, when the new movies came out, it meant new toys. And the... The figures were super cool. I was a big fan of uh, Phantom Menace, for instance. I have most of those figures. Like, still, as an adult, they're in the storage unit somewhere. I have the Nubian Starfighter. Like, I was really into the Phantom Menace toys. Attack of the Clones came out. I have a lot of those as well. Not as many, because they were more. When Hasbro took over, they were more expensive, as I recall, so I don't have as many of those. But I had the Geonosian Arena back in the day. That was a fun playset. Uh, Revenge of the Sith didn't have as many of those, but that was because I was getting a little too old for that. But it sucks when your carbon freezing chamber, this carbon freezing chamber that's coming out through the vintage line is worse than the cardboard one that came out when Empire Strikes Back came out in 80. You know what? Um, I'll be right back because I actually have something. Let me... Um... I'll be back. Okay. This is... We live in a terrible time, people. I mean, let's see. Let me look up... Vintage... Carbon freezing chamber. Ah! That's the one... No, that's not what I'm looking for. Ah, there it is. Kind of. I'll show you guys this one. Not all of these figures are vintage figures. That's obviously not one. But this is the vintage carbon freezing chamber, the best man playset. It's cardboard. And it's still better than the new one. Uh, I mean, also, look at Vader's little, little pop collar. I always love that on the vintage Vader figure. Anyway, Scott, Scott Johnson says, how does anyone have room for all that? I don't ha even have space on my bookshelves. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a mess. It's just a terrible, toys are just suck now and it's quite unfortunate. Um, I used to just, I was really into that whole 
the whole Star Wars, like, into the Star Wars toys. And there's no point in collecting Star Wars toys at this point. They're a gigantic waste of money. The Black Series figures, which are the premium figures, are terrible. They're just, they've gone downhill since Disney bought them. They're just, they don't even look like the characters really anymore. They, I'm talking about Black Series right now. Mm-hmm. How bad Black Series has gotten. I will say, I did love that Jaina figure, but it was not a good figure. Not a great figure. You alright, Dylan? Yeah, oh shoot. Hold on, I'll be back. I got the wrong ones. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. I get to look at this urine couch. This is great podcast material. Uh, uh, you get to hear my, my rant about the carbon freezing chamber and how no one wanted... No one wants that. No one wants that. No one wanted to buy that stupid-ass sail barge. I mean, the sail barge was kind of cool, but it's, like, not worth it, you know? I hate it. I just... What a terrible company. Well, also, Hasbro's messed up so many things. The only thing they're doing well is those real Ghostbusters figures are nice throwback figures. Uh, but, I mean, I, I'm complaining about Star Wars. They handle Star Wars better than G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is an absolute laughing stock right now. I feel so bad for any G.I. Joe fans out there. Like, oh, we're going to... We're going to release the the figures you want, but we're not going to release them the way you want them. We're going to update them, and then no one asked for it. It's like, why would you even do that? All right, I have returned again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, let me do... Uh, Rob... Rob D, yes, I did play Fear. I've played all three of them. The first one's the only one worth playing. Um, it's okay. So, um... Shoot. Okay, awesome. So back in 2016, Lego um, released this set, the Carbon Freezing Chamber. Yeah, um, I remember that. This set right here, uh, $25 MSRP. It comes with a comes with a Han Solo, an Ugnaught. And Boba Fett, for, for some reason. $25. And it's got this cool little play feature, right? Where you can put Han Solo inside this block. It's actually kind of difficult to do while holding up. So you can put him inside the block. do 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 so have him in the block, and then you pull lever back. He goes down. You rotate it, push it back up, and now he's in carbonite. That's awesome. 
$25 four years ago. Didn't they do a full Bespin, like, Lego set? Like a yeah, long they did time a Bespin ago? Ultimate Collection. They did two, actually. Um, yeah, I remember an old it. one in Lego Magazine from when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, there, there was an old one, and there was a new one for $250. Um, the new one is $250. The old one was probably, like, um, around $100, but that was, like, $100 back in, like, 2002, 2003. Yeah. It was back when the Lego characters were still yellow. Yeah. Yeah, just for a comparison to what another licensee has um, has done with the Cloud City. Um, I mean, Micro Machines made some good play sets of uh, Bespin. Made a couple from back in the day. I never had either of them. I was never a fan. Do you remember when Micro Machines would have like someone's face and you'd open it up and it was a play set? That's always weirded me out. No. No, that I don't remember that. But you weren't really into the Micro Machines, were you? No. I loved Micro Machines because we were poor when I was really little. And that's how I would get my spaceships, would be the Micro Machines. They were mm -hmm. cheaper. Also, a lot of times, like, the Micro Machine, like, figure packs would be thrown into, like, dollar bins at Toys R Us. You could just grab a bunch. Like, I had a bunch of Imperial... I think I still have my Micro Machines. I have a bunch of Death Star officers and a bunch of Imperial officers that I pulled out of a bin and some, like, Hoth, like, rebel troops. But Micro Machines... They brought Micro Machines back. I will give Disney credit. They had Micro Machines for Force Awakens. Brought that company back from the grave and then it went back to the grave... Yeah, no, uh, to answer Rob D's question, I don't think that action figures are geared towards children anymore. They're geared towards collectors. That's been a thing for years. That's yeah. been a thing since the, the end of the prequel trilogy. I mean, why do you think that there's so many weird micro-machines, not micro-machines, action figures out there that, like, no child would actually want? So a thing that would be a license to print money, right? Imagine for a second if um, Hasbro had a thing where, you know, the basic generic trooper, instead of selling only one of them, they sold four of them that were exactly the same in one bundle. Uh, not even a discount, just sell four of them for the same price. That'd be awesome. But they won't ever do that. They won't do anything that actually makes them money in like a smart way. They'll just have crowdfund a sell another sale barge. It's five hundred. So the sale barge, you know, so it was the sale barge that they had, and it was just the sale barge. It was sale barge, and I think it had Java. If that was the only things you got, I don't even think it, you got Java. I think it was just a sale barge. I think they added Jabba to it. I know they. I know they later added Yak Face to it. Um, because uh, the the collectors love Yak Face, even though no one bought it back in the day. Anyway, 
So this thing was $500. The only way you could get it was you had to pre-order it through Hasbro Pulse, but they would only make it if 5,000 people pre-ordered it. So essentially it was a it, it was like a Kickstarter pretty much uh, for this thing. And this sail barge, which is like um, – I think its dimensions were like – 45 by 15 by 17 or something like that Pr pretty big um and it was in three uh three quarter inch scale so you could have three quarter inch figures which i again haven't been made more recently and, and yeah 500 dollars for that and if you want the figures for it well uh, you, you got you got to buy them yeah it's so stupid we'll give you java and if you bought it later we'll we'll, we'll give you a yak face but you want, like, the, the Klaatuinians and, like, other skiff guards and, like, Bo uh, Boba Fett and, and no, that, that's extra. It's so stupid, and it's... Granted, I don't know. Uh, it's it's so weird to think about, like... Well, because ships aren't a thing anymore with Star Wars toys, really. They don't do that so much anymore. Like, they don't... Like, with the new trilogy, I think the most ships they made were for Rogue One. And they were all terrible. Because they decided to partner with Nerf. And they're terrible Nerf guns. Which, by the way, the Nerf guns for Star Wars are terrible. Those are also bad. Star Wars toys are just terrible now, and it's upsetting. The lightsabers are bad. Uh, I was talking, I think it was the Geek Static, talking about how many like lightsabers his kids have broken. Because they're made so poorly. You can get a Klaatuinian. Um, it's a, according to this website, a Best Buy, it's on clearance for $68, um, $8, MSRP $80 um, for a Klaatuinian figure that also comes with an ATSD. So you have to buy an ATSD to get a Klaatuinian. And it's a, and it's not like a normal ATSD, it's like the Mandalorian ATSD. Yep. It's probably Black Series 6-inch. Oh, uh, you're right. This might be 6-inch. Yeah, it is Black Series. Yeah, it's Black Series. Uh, no, it's the Vintage Collection, so it's 3.75. Are you sure? Because they've also done Black Series Vintage Collection. They're 6-inch figures. But anyway, Dylan, we should segue into what we're reading. Okay. What are you reading, Dylan? I am reading um, the, the first of the A.C. Crispin Han Solo trilogy, Paradise Snare. How are you liking it? It's all right. Um, the, the flashbacks have finally stopped, which I'm a big fan of because they were getting really annoying, um, constantly going back to them. Um, and I can kind of see where the plot's going, um, but I'm still really um, early on into it. How does he's it feel like, to... he's like on his second day at Galicia. Okay. How does it feel to go back to Bantam after so long? Um, I didn't even re realize it was Bantam. Oh, well, that's a good sign. Because you don't have very many Bantam books left that you haven't read. Uh, no, I believe that's it. Um, that and Shadows of the Empire, the only ba Bantam I haven't. The Tales books. Oh, yeah, the tales, but I forget about those. Yeah. Um, that's cool. It's cool, though. 
I've read some comics. I read Val for Justice, which is a young Keanu Moody story. Uh, Star Wars issues four through six of the what became Star Wars Republic, which was pretty good. I hadn't read that in years, and it was a nice, it's a really quick read. Just him going back as a Jedi Knight to rescue his family from uh, raiders. So, that was cool. I also read something I had never read before, which was Jedi the Dark Side. Which is a Qui-Gon Xanatos story. Explaining what happened uh, at the end of Xanatos' apprenticeship as a Jedi Padawan. It also has Tal in it, so it's basically the big setting things up for Jedi Apprentice storyline, and it, talking about Qui- why Qui-Gon is the way he is in the early Jedi Apprentice books, because he's very different in those than he is in Phantom Menace. There's like a there's a sadness, and there's he's more stoic in the early Jedi Apprentice books. So it was nice to read that. After I finish paper movies, which we're reading Raiders of the Lost Ark right now, I'm going to go jump into, I actually have it right here, Jedi Apprentice Book 1, The Rising Force, by Dave Wolverton. Uh, which I'm pretty excited to reread those. I'm going to reread all the Jedi Apprentice books, and then before I go into Cloak of Deception. So, yeah, that's what I've been reading. Not a whole nice. lot, but I, I took a Big break from Star Wars after reading Rise of Skywalker, which was a terrible book. Yeah, I'm probably gonna be I'm probably gonna be stuck on the Paradise Snare for a long time. Not because it's a bad book or I'm having trouble getting through it, just because um, I'm gonna be incredibly busy in like the next um, um year. Twin Sons related. A little bit, also school. I feel it. I'm almost done with that. You got to be getting close. Yeah. Always fun times, right? <laughs> Dylan loves school. Didn't you all know that? Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, We need to talk about some epic collections that are coming out before we head out. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Tales of the Jedi, a.k.a. Dawn of the Jedi, is in October. Which I'm very excited for. Of course he would be. Well, it's not just that, but it's it's a process to get to Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, we need to get through Dawn of the Jedi. <laughs> we need to get through Dawn of the Jedi to get to Tales of the Jedi. Also, I'm hoping they print some Tales short stories that are from the Tales of the Jedi era. Reprint those in these uh, new Tales of the Jedi uh, epic collections. And then hopefully this will spark some interest and they continue the Old Republic epic collections which they stopped when they finished up KOTOR War. That miniseries, they didn't go past that, but we need we need to see some Lost Tribes of the Sith Spiral, the Old Republic webcomics, and, and Knight Errant and Jedi vs. Sith. All this right. Um, Especially Jedi vs. Sith is way out of print right now. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's better put somewhere else, but I don't know where else they would put it. They would just do Old Republic and just continue them. 
Well, that... yeah, because it would have to if it was Old Republic, it would have to be like the very last issue of Old Republic, basically. Well, yeah, and it should be. It should be after the Night Errant comics. That's where it would fit. There isn't. There isn't much between those two. Um, also, they're reprinting Dark Empire in September. That'll be the New Republic Volume 5. Will be the Dark Empire Trilogy. Uh, they're also... There's a... The Empire Volume 6 or 7? Maybe Volume 6. And that's got Agent of the Empire in it. If you remember the James Bond Star Wars comics... I love those, but it seems like no one else likes those. I thought they were a nice, fresh idea at the end of Dark Horse. Um, also, it acts as a sequel to the Stark Hyperspace War, which I find really fascinating. Uh, let's see. They just released Clone Wars Volume 3, which is getting the last of the Republic comics out there, as well as Obsession. Got reprinted. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so Ventress the Story is tied up. You know what they should do, though? Um, they should do a reprinting of the Clone Wars Adventures. Are you familiar with these comics? No. They were spinoffs of Jindy Tartoski's Clone Wars. They were a bunch of short stories that did ten volumes of them back in the day. And no one talks about those. So I want them to do, call it like Clone Wars Kids stuff. And have all <laughs> these Clone Wars adventures and then the Filoni Clone Wars stuff that they haven't reprinted. Because they've reprinted Maul Death Sentence in Clone Wars Epic Collection Volume 2. Oh, also in Epic Collection Volume 3 is the Grievous miniseries which is pretty cool. I don't know if they'll continue making Clone Wars like um, epic collections. I think they're pretty much done at this point. There might be a volume four, which has the end of the Quinlan Boss stuff. I think that's all they have left to do in that line. That would be done. Um, we need a Legacy volume four. So we need to finish up Legacy stuff at this point get into legacy two we also need they need to like hurry up and do the marvel one so we can get 108 collected with the rest of the marvel comics because those <laughs> hardcover omnibuses don't have 108 wasn't a thing yet maybe we'll get marvel 109 that'd be maybe. fun i don't know why we'd get 109 because there's not much left that hasn't been tied up for that series Oh, there's Jackson. What happened to him? You could do that. Well, no, the... Jackson's demise. Or just, yeah, him and the uh, all the other, the Starkiller kid and Amaza. We need to find out what happened to them. It's basically, that's like the only thing left that they haven't tied from the original Marvel comics into further EU. We got Lamaya. Um... Oh, God. I can't remember. There's another antagonist. The antagonist of Luke Skywalker and the Shadows of Mindor meets his end in a Tales comic. That's a thing that happened, Dylan. You laugh, but that happened. I haven't even read Shadows of Mindor, so... 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Shadows of Mentor is not good. Everyone's going to hate me for that one. But it's like, Luke Skywalker is this villain. And it's like, well, no, he's not. We know he's not. We know there's not going to be any repercussions from this. I've read, like, this is like, because Shadows of Mentor happens in the middle of the Rogue Squadron comics. It's basically why Luke leaves the New Republic military. That's like its point. But like they they make it out to be like Luke did these like bad things and he didn't. And there's no repercussions for it. If there were, they would have been brought up in New Jedi Order when everything else, there were repercussions to everything that ever happened in that era in New Jedi Order. There's repercussions from Rogue Planet in New Jedi Order. I don't... Dylan, I don't get it. Why Why do people hate Rogue Planet? Like, it's legit a hated book, and I'm like, do you not know its significance? It's like one of the most important prequel era books for, like, future EU. Yeah. I guess only one character shows, um, well, technically two. Well, no, because Vergier's like barely in Rogue Planet. He's like mentioned a bunch. So it's just, um, uh, what's her face? But the technology, the organic technology is in Rogue Planet. Oh, yeah. Like that, it's setting things up for New Jedi Order. And it's like people, Geek Static hates that book so much. I'm like, you know what? I think you have bad taste. Although he did like Outbound Flight, so he is slightly forgiven for that. Outbound uh, Flight, the last good Zon book. That's what I said. Did you ever read Sur- Survivor's Quest? No. His, like, nothing book? It, like, serves as, oh, it's Luke and Mara's honeymoon. Kind of, sort of, not really. I don't know. I don't know. Why do... Well, we'll find out when you you finally get to Allegiance and Choices of One. What you really think about those. As, like, the worst Zon books. Oh, and Scoundrels. We can't forget Scoundrels. Rogue Planet... Rogue Planet's not that boring. There are more... It's not the approaching storm. Or, um, I'm trying to think of other really boring Star Wars books. Uh. Shatterpoint? I was entertained through Shatterpoint. Yeah. Planet of Twilight is what I always come back to oh, in boring. Oh, that's true. No, no, wait, hold on. The King of Boring is anything uh, by Catherine uh, Miller. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, those aren't books, though. Those, that's, <laughs> that's just capital punishment. Yeah. I still haven't reviewed those. I don't know how to approach them. I read those like four months ago. I said Catherine Miller, not Karen Miller. I I got... I think you're combining them with Kathy Tires. Hmm. Trusa Bakura has some boring moments in it. Yeah. It's why I'm hesitant to be like, oh, that's the that's the next one that you read. If like you haven't, it's like, well, it's weird. I appreciate it's a lot weird, of but it's like Bakura. it's 
It's weird because, in my opinion, you should read Thrawn Trilogy first, not because it's good, but because everything after it is better, <laughs> and coming back to Thrawn Trilogy will, will feel uh, weird. Yeah. But then if you start with Thrawn Trilogy, where do you put, like, uh, where do you put, like, Truce of Bacor and X-Wing? X-Wing's so much better, though, than Thrawn Trilogy. Yeah. X-Wing in general, except for Korin Horn. What a terrible character. I'm going to get a lot of crap for that one. Uh, he's he's uh, Michael Stackpole's Gary Stu. Self-insert. Oh, you said. Or, um, I fought Luke and threw a temper tantrum and ran away from the Academy. See, that's the, that's the thing that, like, uh, with their debate, I wish Matt would have brought this up uh, in, in, the, in the great debate, but Corrin felt too much like Luke's equal in iJedi. When he shouldn't have been. I'm trying to remember who is with Luke in Dark Empire 2. Um, Cam Salazar is the he's one who the, shows back up. He's the only one who should, at that point in time, be anywhere near Luke's equal. Because he was a dark Jedi for a long time and part of, like... Wasn't he part of Palpatine's, like, um, Inquisitors? I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Someone correct me in the comments. And in Corn, he wasn't just Luke's equal power wise. He was Luke's equal like um like Luke was taking Corn's advice on how to run his own academy. Yeah, it's idiotic. It's, I I shouldn't bag on X Wing because X Wing is so much more than just Corn. Um but I Jedi is the Corn Horn ego trip book. It's mm-hmm. his perspective. It's his first person. It's just all these things that Star Wars books shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And it's first person, so you can just write it off of, oh, this is just Corrin's ego and his like his version of events and how he's the great hero and all. Yeah. Where Jedi Academy is just a more like a uh, reasonable, measured response of what um, of the events. Jedi Academy is awesome, even though people hate it. I think people hate Jedi Academy because Luke is floating around as a ghost through part of it, and that's kind of goofy. You know, with, like, Anakin's, like, trying to help him. All right, Scott Johnson, about Balance Point. I want you to be honest with me. Do you like Balance Point only because Jason uh, finally got over himself and did something in that book? (laughs) Because, like, early NJO, Jason's, like, the biggest pacifist, like, we shouldn't do anything. He's so annoying. And then by the end of Balance Point, he finally gets over himself and, you know, does, like, the Jedi thing. And I think a lot of people like Balance Point, not because it's good, but because that was the book where he just went, you know what, you're right, I am a Jedi. I should be fighting against this, this, uh... Uh, this uh, otherworldly being that's literally trying to genocide the entire galaxy. I am morally right for for attempting to stop mass genocide. Okay, I'm trying to remember. Is that when he's captured? No, he gets captured later. That's what. It, okay. Okay, I'm now. I'm trying to remember when Balance Point happens, and I can't see it because my bed's in the way. I'll... Balance Point is. Um, after um it's after agents of chaos 
Oh, okay. When Han goes off and does his thing. Yeah, but it's before um, it's before Star by Star. So. Um, oh. Star by Star. I can say that about any new Jedi Order book, and it's like, oh, man, the crying, the all, all the death. Yes, Jason. Okay, so you admit you only like the book because Jason stops stops being a crybaby. I mean, you could also like the book because it's relatively short compared to other New Jedi Order books. The one that comes to mind is Unifying Force. It's really long. Yeah, but it's like a good long. It, well, yeah, it's James Lucino. has got to happen. It's James Lucino wrapping up an event. Of course it is. It's book 20. Is is Balance Point the first appearance of Savong Law? I thought he was, um, I thought he came into it around, um, Agents of Chaos. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a long time. Or, um, uh, Remember when we said he wanted to keep this under an hour? Yeah, it's at an hour eight. We should probably cut it. Probably cut it now before we get sucked into New Jedi Order crying. <laughs> do all the do my man baby crying over these things. All right, so I hope you all enjoyed this uh, podcast. Um. Okay, sorry, I got sucked in New Jedi Order hardcovers, and this just reminded me of the flashbacks of trying to buy all the New Jedi Order hardcovers. I've had to do that twice. I have spent so much money. I'm buying New Jedi Order and hardcover. Well, I think he means like only reading the uh, the New Jedi Order books that were released in hardcover, <laughs> which is the fast. It's called the new. I don't get. I don't understand why anyone would ever do it. It's called the New Jedi Order Fast Track. You just read the hardcovers, which is um, Vector Prime, Vector Prime, Balance, Balance Point, Point um, Star by Star. Star. Um, Destiny's Way. Destiny's Way and Unifying Force. That's disgusting. I don't know why anyone would ever do that. that you is, miss so much stuff if you do so that. It's so awful. But people do it. Uh, that's like just randomly picking the hardcovers in Legacy of the Force that were released like publicly in hardcover, not book club editions. Which is, as far as I know, is Betrayal, Sacrifice... And invincible? Invincible, yeah. What? <laughs> that sounds like a literal nightmare. Well, anyway, before we get to my track. Yeah. All right. Have a nice day, people. <laughs>